I realized a couple things. No matter what I did, I couldn't fix it. No matter what I did, I couldn't make it go away. I had no control. And it was the last time that I, I realized that this was forever. So while it, you know, it, it was the hardest moment of my life, it was, it saved me. Welcome, friends, to the Aching Joy Podcast. My name is Jason Haig. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm an author, uh, a blogger, I'm a pastor, and I'm a dad. And in this podcast, I'm going to be gathering stories from other authors and, and artists and, and people who have a story to tell about finding hope in the midst of pain. Uh, some of those stories are going to come from the world of special needs because that's often where I end up writing about. My son has severe autism, uh, and uh, that's what my book was about, was about that journey. Uh, some of these will have to do very directly with the world of faith because, like I said, I'm a pastor, and my faith is, is very dear uh, to my life. Uh, and some will come from in between or, or other spaces completely. But we're going to start today. This one doesn't deal so much with faith. It does. Uh, uh, we we do touch on it, uh, but this one deals mostly with the realities of being a special needs parent. Um, many of you will know my first guest uh, because many of you saw her video um, that was released about three years ago. And it had uh, somewhere, I, I didn't ask her the exact number of views that's on, on the different platforms, but I believe it's over 30 million views. So this thing went ultra viral. Are you ready? Here we go. Check it out. I want to talk about something that I think all my autism parents um, will understand. I want to talk about the last time, which... Is a funny phrase you hear it a lot you know like the last time you'll pick your child up or the last time you'll nurse your child or the last time you'll they'll hold your hand there is a last time in the world of special needs parenting that I don't think anyone else would get there is the last time you think that this is gonna be okay that is the voice of my friend Kate Swenson. Kate recorded that back in 2017 before her Facebook page exploded into the massive entity that it is today uh, called Finding Cooper's Voice. Kate's been blogging and doing videos about her son. She's become a fierce advocate in the autism community, so naturally that's how I ended up getting to know her. And I thought, who better to have as my very first podcast guest talking about a life of aching joy than Kate. So let's get started. Welcome, Kate Swenson. Thanks for coming on, Kate. Thanks for having me. Kate, you have three sons, and your oldest son, Cooper, has severe autism. How old is he today? He's nine. My middle son is only two years younger than Cooper. And um, he's always been on the really typical path um, just really, just a really middle of the road kid, just, just easy. And I could always picture his future, like possibilities. And when you have a kid diagnosed with severe autism, no one will talk about the future. No one will even give you any inkling of what it's going to be like. So in my mind, Cooper was going to stay little because I couldn't picture him growing. So yeah. now I'm like, you're old. <laughs> like, how did this happen? You had mentioned it. I think it was in that video how you can't really hide it anymore as they get bigger. 
you know, how early on, you know, if your child's having all kinds of extreme acting out or whatever, they're little enough and, and people won't think anything of it. But when you're in public and they're bigger and something happens, suddenly all the eyes are on you. Yeah, Cooper, you know, Cooper's, um, I know people don't like, you know, labels or talking about that sort of thing. You know, I describe Cooper as who he is and it's not a negative thing. It's not a sad thing. Right. Cooper is on the severe side of the spectrum. He's nonverbal. He has a whole other list of things, anxiety, ADHD, intellectual, all those things that I'll tell you at nine, I don't even care about anymore because it doesn't matter. We're just going to, you know, we want him happy. We want him growing. We want him, but he's a really, uh, a really complicated kid. So, you know, at age three, when he would throw his body down in the middle of a street, we could just pick him up and and people would think he was just a frustrated toddler. Now he's nine, he's a hundred pounds. And I'll tell you, he throws himself down still 10 times a day right. in the street, in the driveway. He, you know, he self injures. He's very, very loud and animated and dramatic, much like me and his father. Um, and there's no hiding it. And when people get upset when I say that, it's not that we're trying to hide it, right. but there's sometimes when you just wish you could just go to the store and not have a, a full production. Yeah. Uh, it's just a really, it's, I say we lead a very dramatic, energetic life. When did you guys know? So I knew there was first time, first time mom, first son. Okay. Um, so excited, wanted nothing else but be, to be a mom. I mean, it was just everything for, and my husband and I, we just were so excited. We knew right away. I knew right away. Um, he didn't sleep. He struggled to eat. Um, really full of anxiety as a newborn, which people don't understand that. And I didn't understand that. But now looking back, you know how you, you can understand things more now. Like as a newborn, he had to be up facing out. We could, we were, we were moving him from the car seat to the swing, to the stroller every, you know, two, three minutes, just, you know, looking at lights, looking at the TV. So we knew something was going on um, right away. But I would say around 18 months, it was really, really obvious. Um, but we didn't know what autism was. We didn't know, we didn't even know the word. No one had ever mentioned it. So when I started Googling, you know, looking at Dr. Google in the middle of the night and this word autism comes up and I told my husband and he was first time dad, not around kids. He had, you know, I would say that there was some anger towards me. There was almost like I was trying to find something that wasn't there. Mm. And so I really pushed for a diagnosis. I mean, paved like a bulldozer for a diagnosis. And it was not easy to get. We had to drive three hours away, wait nine months. Um, he was diagnosed at three. And um, I would say he progressively, um, it's hard for me to describe, like it, it got harder for a lot of years. We didn't really have many breakthroughs until age seven. How old was he? He would have been, he would have been seven, right? When you made the video. I think it's been three years. I think he was five and a half or six. I want to play this clip. Um, is that okay? Yeah. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Um, it always makes me cry. Yeah. I was sitting here. I'm like, oh, I feel this. Oh yeah. Uh, this right here. My son has severe autism and I cried the whole way to work today because 
because somewhere in the last couple months I switched from praying that he would be a doctor or a lawyer and now I just know that we're praying for quality of life and that is such a hard switch because you hate yourself for giving up hope but it is the fact of the matter. I posted that thinking no one was ever going to watch it because my videos only had like a thousand views. I mean, that was on a good day. So I posted that and then I walked into work and my girlfriend texted me and she's like, Ooh, man. She's like, you're everywhere. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm everywhere. And I looked and it was up to like a hundred thousand views really fast. And the funny, the first thing went through my head is like, do I look okay? Oh my gosh, like I don't even think I don't like check my teeth, I don't check my you know, it's like whoa. And um it kept growing. And I there's this piece of advice I always tell new bloggers that when your video or your post reaches a hundred thousand views or reach or whatever, that's when you go to uncharted territory. Because when you're at when you're under a hundred thousand, you're you're sticking in your niche, whether it's autism or whatever your niche is. When it gets too big, um, it gets shown in the up next on Facebook video watch and it starts reaching these corners of the internet that are really dark and scary. Let's back up because I think we might need some context here. In the special needs community, there's a ton of debate centered around how a parent is supposed to feel and act after their child's diagnosis. One side argues that autism is a part of the person, so when parents go negative, they end up dishonoring their own kids, along with the millions of wonderful people who have autism all over the world. So they should accept it and rejoice at their child's uniqueness. But some on the other side see autism as a tragic thing that's happened to their child, and they're hell-bent on finding cures and freeing their kids from what they see as a sort of jailer. It's hard to advocate in this type of atmosphere, because no matter what you say, people will accuse you of taking an extreme position, even if that's not what you're doing, even if you're, you're merely expressing something in the moment. This is what happened with Kate, and this is where it got scary. I, I was really scared. Like I was really, I went through a really, really hard time. Um, I was pregnant, newly pregnant, yeah. and my husband had to actually pick me up off the bathroom floor because I was crying so hard. I had no idea that people could hate me so much um, that they would send me death threats. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that's shocking to me. It still happens. So that video, if it gets out again, if it like it'll get shared again. This in April, it gets shared every April. Right. Um, it happens again, and you know other bloggers talk about me. They share it and they say how you know I'm an embarrassment to the autism community. I'm a joke. My son's better off dead. I'm better off dead. And and I have really thick skin now, but I didn't the first time, not the last time, the first time, it's really quite shocking. There's so many things I want to say here because I, okay, before we get to people's reaction, let's talk about the, just the, the, the rawness and it's real. What you said is real. If you're looking at, at your child's future and then suddenly you realize oh, this is going to be so different than I thought, and it's going to be harder than I thought, and not just harder for you, but harder for Sawyer, harder for your husband, uh, harder for Cooper himself. 
And all of that coming in, the weight of that, of thinking, oh my goodness, um, is society going to be ready? Like, what, how, how, how cruel is the culture going to be to him? How is he going to be able to navigate all of these things? And the fact that those are all realities weighing in on you, um, like you should be able to express that. And there's nothing, I, I, it's, it shouldn't be polarizing. You're a mom who is experiencing this falling on you. And it almost, it almost makes me mad that people get upset with you there. Cause I'm like, you've got to be kidding. What I don't understand is even now there are people out there who think that Cooper is miraculously going to get better and he's going to start talking and he's going to go to high school. He's going to graduate. He's going to get a job. He's going to live on his own. And that video depicts the exact moment where I realized a couple things. No matter what I did, I couldn't fix it. No matter what I did, I couldn't make it go away. I had no control. And it was the last time that I, I realized that this was forever. So while it, you know, it, it was the hardest moment of my life, it was, it saved me because there are people, I, can you imagine if, if, if I was still thought that Cooper was going to one day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you have to let, you have to get there. You have to get to realistic hope. You have to. Well, it seems like it's the moment, um, where you, you shed denial. But I think that here's the frustrating part and why I do what I do, because there are people that will try and keep you in denial. They will try and keep you in denial and it is so unhealthy and it's so bad and they will judge you for getting to reality. And I don't understand why that is. They must think that reality is negative. I don't know. The Cooper is going to have a beautiful life. He will have a beautiful life. We will travel the world and we will see trains and he will be cared for and he'll be loved and cleaned and treasured. And he will never, as long as I'm alive and hopefully after I can keep him safe. That's okay to be excited for that. Yes. That's I, it's so, yeah, it's, it's absolutely right. It's, it's okay. It's funny. I, I face this all the time because obviously my, my primary circle is, you know, a lot of the Christian community and um, the that denial thing um, is very very strong in a lot of those places because people will say uh, they'll take it from a from a religious angle of thinking well God can come through and do this this great thing and well and they'll talk about healing and miracle and all of that and that language obviously is very very polarizing <laughs> but it, it's very difficult to let someone know listen. Um, I'm trying to prepare myself and my family for what's ahead. And the insistence that, no, there's going to be a breakthrough, or people are saying, oh, he's in the process of being healed, or look at, he's getting so much better, or look at all the changes. Oh my goodness, he's doing so great. And, it, you know, they really want to help. They so want to encourage you. Um, but it's, it's hard sometimes, because I'm like, I can't go to that excited place where you're at, because you don't understand I'm trying to prepare him for the future, however it's going to look. And and do I think that there could be radical, crazy changes? Look, you never know. But you can't. You don't plan that. That's the thing. You you've got to you've got to let that go. You've got to let it go and say, you know what? This is life. 
And this is the way it is. So I, I see that video and it breaks my heart because I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. You, the, the last, what it, you said, it was uh, um, the last time you think everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. The sentence that I would say to my husband all the time um, is, the, not anymore, I don't say it anymore, but it used to be, this is not okay. Because we, we'd, we'd always be, we're like, this is fine. <laughs> Like the dog meme with the house on fire. Yes, that's us. <laughs> but, you know, we went through years, years of aggressive behaviors and self-injuring. And, you know, really, um, our home was not our safe space. And we had to make some really tough decisions with our other child who was, um, I don't talk a lot about it, but he was being hurt. And, you know, different things that families are really shamed. They don't, they don't get to talk about out loud. Yeah. And which is, makes it even harder. And that night that 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 happened um i let myself go to all the darkest places that i needed to go to 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 heal i thought about you know um i'm gonna die someday and my son's not even gonna know he's not gonna be able to come to my funeral and then i thought about his funeral and and when you think about a life lived who who would go he won't have you know I, I let myself go there and it saved me but it was my bottom <laughs> expound on that how did it save you because it it was i was living in denial i was i was thinking that I could not see the future. I could not see severe autism at 20 and 30. I couldn't, and, and I think I just, my brain couldn't go there. My heart couldn't go there. I, you know, I, I would try, my husband and I would try and talk about retirement and what that looked like and the different aspects that go into it. Like if you, if you go into a Facebook group and bring up guardianship, you know, you're going to get your hand slapped for, cause that's just a negative topic. Well, guardianship's absolutely going to happen for us. We should be able to talk about it. And what it did is being hated by so many and being so honest on such a grand scale allowed me to talk about all the things that I wanted to talk about because it wasn't going to get much worse. <laughs> that is interesting. That is interesting. Every so often I'll have a post that's, that's like that. I just did a post um, and it was pretty brutal again. Um, and, I, and I stand by it. I'm in a really great place of acceptance. I'm in a happy place. Um, we're, I'm great. I really truly am. But I will every so often, I will wonder why. Like why, why, why was Cooper chosen? Why, why is, does he have to be so severe? why and i'll just i'll get in this like cycle in my brain i picture being like a cartoon like why 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 and i'll let myself sit in it for a while and i and i i got a lot of hate for that but because they thought that i was questioning cooper's existence oh goodness no cooper's the best thing in the world but i don't understand why his life has to be so hard it's not fair and and i I totally get that i totally get that because it because it isn't I, this is another, this is another, it's so interesting because these communities, uh, whether the, the, the tension that we feel in the autism community, you know, the, the, every, the, the pressure to make everything look great or to make everything terrible, that thing, um, it is so prevalent also in the church and it's, it's, it's a slightly different angle, but it's more like 
How do what what do you mean? What do you mean you're not happy? What do you mean? Don't you know this is what God wanted? Or don't you know? Uh, you know, so so it's just it's from a slightly different angle, but it's it is very, very strong. Um, and so it's either, you know, wild prayer for um for healing or um a just accept the the divine will of God and he must have given you your son for a reason and I hear it every day every day <laughs> how do you res- how do you respond i don't yeah. <laughs> i mean they're trying to be nice yeah. they're trying to give a compliment and i had a really rocky uh rocky road with god for a lot of years i'm and i'm honest about that too um and and ours you know it was uniquely interesting i think we tried to go to a church and we were like banned to the crying room and it was um, a, a, a whole window was the wall and people would just stare at us, like just mean mug us. And Cooper was loud. Oh goodness gracious. He was so loud. Um, and it wasn't that we just couldn't go to church. We couldn't go anywhere. We right. just, we couldn't, you know, and, and our circle got really small and I couldn't understand, you know, people would say to me in my life, my own people in my life, I'm not going to name names, but they would just pray just pray. He's going to start talking. Just pray. It's going to be fine. And, and, um, what I felt like they were doing was it, what I needed someone to come over and hug me and sit with me and help me while I showered. But all I ever got was just pray, just pray. And I'm like, I'm praying. <laughs> do you think I'm not praying? <laughs> Literally all I do in my mind, a constant reel of please God help my son. Uh, so, um, I was angry for a long time because I felt really abandoned um, forgotten. Right. And I didn't understand why. And now, you know, we've made our way back to church and it's wonderful. We have a wonderful like community. Cooper still can't go. Um, it is what it is, but we have, the reason I wanted to go back was I wanted people like me with young children to know us and to, you know, I needed that community. Right. Right. Yeah, and this is this absolutely is is sort of the sphere where my wife and I are trying to speak into a lot because we we're saying, look, special needs families, you do not understand that there can be so isolated, especially in cases when you have a child who's more severe, like Jack and like Cooper, um, that that you you will be stuck. You feel like you're on an island, and what they desperately need is a community to surround them and to love them unconditionally. And the church is so uniquely equipped to do that. And when it doesn't happen, um, you might never know. People are like, well, I didn't know that family was dead. Yes, I know you don't know because they're at home all the time. Like, you need to know this is a real thing. This is a real thing. We had our little baby's baptism and Cooper couldn't go. And, and we knew that. But what we did is we brought him after and he came in and he got the one picture and he'd flopped to the ground and rolled down the aisle and off he went. But we, I got my picture and, you know, we're, we're trying. People don't know how hard we're trying. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of, um, of pictures, you had, um, a few months ago posted a video talking about, um, Cooper visiting his little brother's school. Can you tell us that story? Yes. So, um, kids get their pictures taken every year, right? right. Public education, you get your picture taken. I think it's always the same company, Life Touch. 
And um, when we, you know, Cooper went to kindergarten, it didn't work. We pulled him out and he goes to a full-time ABA center. People don't understand that when you leave school, you leave behind the school plays and the field trips and the sports and the school pictures. You leave, it's almost like, you know, Cooper's not in a grade. He would be in third, which is heartbreaking for me to say still to this day. He's not, it's like time stops, time stops. There's no more first day of school. There's no school shopping. There's as much as we try, uh, it's just a constant year round thing. And um, up on my wall, I have um, Sawyer's picture every year. He's going through school and Cooper's was age five. So I called our school because we're taxpayers. <laughs> I said, um, I'm bringing my son in for his pictures. And like, of course, it was a huge ordeal. You know, everything with special education is the biggest deal. And I was like, I'm like, this is where I will, what is that falling on your sword? Like, this is it. I will go down for this one. We're going in. And they let us come in. And I had asked Sawyer, I'm like, how do you feel about us coming? And he was really excited. He was like, I'm going to show my brother the iPads and I'm going to show him the bike for the kids that have autism. And I was worried because Cooper's very, he's very much, he's just much, he's just a lot. And, you know, sweet little Sawyer walks in holding his hand and he helps him cross in the street. We hit the front door and there's kids everywhere and Cooper drops to the ground and he's rolling down the, the hallway. And I'm like, Oh, fun. <laughs> fun. And I was like, Sawyer, head to your classroom, you know, and he goes, we go in for the picture. And do you ever feel like people outside our world just don't know the, like, they don't know how much we prepared for that day. We prepared two weeks for that day. And she's like, taking your time. I walk around, I close all the gym doors. <laughs> <laughs> your radar your radar is in full full motion They're like drinking coffee yeah. and i'm like sweating i'm chasing cooper and like um you know he's ripping pictures off the wall like that artwork and i was like just yeah. please take the picture um and she's like does he want to stand does he want to sit and i was like i don't care you know? <laughs> You know, we get him in the seat and he refuses to look. They have the light up here, you know, to the, the lighting. And he looks at the light. And I think, you know, she, people are so sweet. She was like, say cheese. She's like, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and um, we got one. It's adorable. He's looking up at the sky. It's very cute. And then the second it was over, he was gone. Like, poof. Right out the door, rolled down the hallway. And people think I'm being dramatic. I just wish we had a camera crew once in our life because it really was that dramatic. Yeah. And we get out the front door and he turns around and he's, he's nonverbal, but he has approximations. And he's like, that's his brother's name. And he claps and he points. Uh. Because, and that just, so what was so humbling about that moment to me was, while he's driving me bonkers and he's giving me a run for my money, it's really hard for him. Right. It's not his fault. He's not, he's not giving me a hard time. It's really hard for him to, it, it gives me goosebumps because he can't wait in line. He can't sit in a chair. He can't understand. People don't understand him. So for him to go there, he was so proud of himself. We went out for a donut. We celebrated like he had just walked the aisle at graduation, you know? so proud yeah 
Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just like every day we have these huge monumental things. And that's one of the blessings of autism. It's like, you know, like today, like the baby's hat blew off in the wind and Cooper put his hat on. I mean, that's monumental. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that's, that's one of the unique blessings that we as special needs families or parents have is that we can celebrate small victories in a way that others just don't understand. <laughs> oh my gosh. We celebrate everything. We're all, we're always clapping and dancing. And I once had someone say to me, probably based off my videos, cause they were sad for a while. I'll admit that. But someone said to me, they're like, your, your, your house must be really sad and quiet and dark and like she was like just describing what it was like. And I'm, I'm like, my house is like full of laughter and joy, like happy screaming, stimming screaming like all the time. All the screams. We, we had, had a, we've, we've had, had a couple, couple recently. recently. Uh, Jack, uh, I was, I was home. Um, I was working late on Saturday and I'm, I'm walking home and I get a text message that says, uh, dad be home at 10. And then an immediate follow-up from my wife that said, um, Jack just typed that. Has he ever texted you before? No, ever. Never. Oh. Isn't that crazy? It was like, um, I couldn't believe it. She said uh, he was talking, or he was saying, Dad, so he's, you know, functionally nonverbal, but he's got a few for, but Dad, Dad, Dad home, Dad home. And she's like, Well, he usually, what time does he usually come home? Five. Well, it's evening because we're preparing for sermon and stuff. And, and, um, and so he usually comes home at five. And so he, he said, Dad, be home. And he put 10. Cause it was like 15 minutes. It was like quarter to 10. He put 10. I could not believe it. And, uh, it was one of the, like, it absolutely made my weekend. Um, and that's all it took. And so I feel like we have these moments that people don't understand. Like we don't need for him to, you know, hit a walk-off home run at the end of his baseball game. Uh, we get moments like that. Do you, so bringing, bringing it back to the okay thing, um, I will have, and I've talked to other moms about this too, that have kids in the nine and older range. I will have moments every day where I'm like, this is going to be okay. This is okay. <laughs> you know, like it's like big swings of emotion where, you know, it's like he will do something and I'm like, we're fine. This is fine. You know? And it makes me, it's a blessing. Like it's, it is, it's truly a blessing. Hey, you guys, I hope you're enjoying the interview. I just wanted to press pause really quickly to tell you about my book, Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. Uh, this is a really personal book for me because it chronicles uh, my own journey of hope in the midst of pain. Uh, it's a story of unrealistic expectations, uh, the ones that I had when my oldest son was born, and how his uh, regression and autism diagnosis really destroyed those expectations. Uh, it's a story of grief, of pain, and ultimately the rediscovery of hope and joy. Uh, this isn't a book just for special needs parents, uh, but really for anyone walking through a season of disappointment with God uh, and with life. You don't have to wait until it's all over, friends, uh, to live again. There is joy to be discovered even here where you are in the land of unanswered prayer. So I encourage you to hop on over to Amazon or Audible and pick up a copy of Aching Joy. It won the Cascade Award last year in 2019 for Best Memoir, and my mother really, really enjoys it. So you'll, you'll have those kinds of days and then the swing back or the, re, the rest of it hits you. So that day that you took Cooper to Sawyer's school was this great day, um, but 
uh, as you quoted your friend there that said, once you enter the world of special needs, some of your happiest days will also be your hardest. So how was that a hard day? It is that, so that was told to me back when Cooper was young and I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. So for parents that have newly diagnosed kids, you're probably like, what are you talking about? Here's an example. My, um, so Cooper is nine and my middle son is seven, um, going on 16. And our house is full of kids uh, all the time um, before the coronavirus <laughs> and hopefully again after, but like full of kids in the age range of six to nine boys, girls, and they are in and out and they are playing and they're talking. And did you know, that, I mean, I, I, I block out what nine-year-old kids are really like. I do that as a defense mechanism. I mean, I didn't know nine-year-old kids have like whole lives and like talk to you about like their parents building a deck and the Trump. I mean, they talk to you about everything. <laughs> so it's just shocking. They have lives and social lives. And um, like, I have so much joy that Sawyer has so many friends and he's so liked and he's so popular. And then I see what a nine-year-old boy is like. Like, right, I had right. no idea. So, I mean, bringing, going to Sawyer's school, yeah. I should have two boys going to that school. They should be getting on the bus together every day and they should be going together and playing. They should be both doing sports and friends and, uh, we won't have that. And that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how amazing that he got to go for this first time. Yeah. Yeah. You said in, in that video, and this is what I love. This is what resonated with me so much. When you run from the hard, you're not healing. So I wrote a post that was really powerful years ago. And I talk about sitting in the dark. And it came from an old quote that was, um, it's, it was someone once gave me a box full of darkness and I didn't know what a blessing that would be someday. It's something like that. That's not exactly it, but it is so true because I would busy myself thinking if we just do more therapy, this will be fine. And if we just do this gluten-free and take away the dairy, and if we do this, all of this will be fine by kindergarten. This is all going to go away. He's going to catch up. And I wouldn't let myself feel the emotions of having a little boy who might never talk and might never grow up. Yes. And I ran from it. And now I don't run from those feelings ever. I call it the, um, the rabbit hole. I step in there. And um, I will literally, if you see me, if you know me in real life, sometimes I will just stop and I will close my eyes and I'll be like, okay, this is hard. And I will just feel it. And while these nine-year-old boys are telling me all about their social lives and their Pokemon cards and they're talking to me and my son's in the corner doing what he's happily doing. And, but I don't stay there. I step back out. Mm -hmm. You can't stay in the grief, but you have to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, this is one of the things that I, I wish that people would understand. And I actually, I, I really, I feel, I don't say I feel bad for you, but you have to fight because your profile is, is so high on social media that you end up getting caught in, in the crossfire of uh, like in, in trying to deal and trying to process grief. Um, you get caught in a crossfire there. And I, 
it, it, I want to to ex- I want to share with people that like look, you have to whatever the emotion is, whether it's ugly or whether it's beautiful, wh- no matter what a person thinks of your emotion, you have to process that. Like you can't, I've never been able to talk someone out of having an emotion. It's just like, why do you feel that way? Stop feeling that way. Okay, thank you. That's very helpful. And that's what I feel like is so tragic about the autism community because it gets so polarized in that way. Like, why are you feeling that way? And and it comes from both angles. Why are you feeling that way? And the reality is sometimes we just do. Sometimes it all falls in on you. And, and you feel completely overwhelmed. And I feel like right now, I mean, we're recording this right here in the middle, right right near the peak of the coronavirus uh, quarantine. Where and we have no control. We have absolutely no control. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what the future is going to look like. And we're, and we're getting inundated with our own fears, with our own imaginations, um, and, and with our own frustrations and all of this. If we don't deal with this, if we don't deal with what's going on inside of us, it's not, it, that's not just going to pass. That's going to build up, and that's going to create havoc for ourselves and for those around us as we move forward. So I think it's so key what you're trying to do there is to say, look, don't run from the hard. You've got to process the hard. You have to process the aching if you're going to get to a place of joy. Well, I never knew. So I never knew what I was feeling was wrong. I thought, and I, I'm jokingly air quoting wrong. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't know. I mean, so I have this little boy and I find out, I mean, I had a therapist tell me he's probably never going to talk. I had another person tell me he's never going to ride a bike. He's never going to make a friend. He's never going to graduate. You know, all these things that are told to you throughout the process. We all have lists of them, you know? And I, I didn't know how I could have any emotion, but, but, but sad. I mean, I, I, so now, even now when I'm, and I terrorized, when I'm terrorized by people that tell me that what I'm feeling is wrong, I kind of smile. Cause it's like, yeah, I, you know, I went through a very private grieving process very publicly. <laughs> I did. Um, but I don't, if they only see beauty in this, then that's amazing. Like, let me learn from you. Don't tell me what I'm feeling is wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, to, you know, and to be fair, like most of the stuff that you've put out, I think is very uplifting. Here's the funny part about that is, um, I've really only had a handful of sad things, but that's what I'm remembered for. So I am known as the woman who cried in her car. I only cried in my car one dang time. (laughs) Stop pigeonholing me. Stop. Like one time four years ago, lay off me. <laughs> but so here's a funny part about that that I would like to say for the world. I talk about every amazing thing and every part of Cooper that is amazing every single day. I talk about him learning to zip his coat and cross the street and going for walks. I don't know where the haters are when all this beautiful stuff is happening. They're not supporting him. They're not giving him praise. They're not lifting him up, but they're sure there when I say, I wish my son talked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I I think a lot, some of this that comes into play um, seems to be this whole like mommy wars in, in some of the online. Cause 
I have been, so I, I've processed very publicly just like you have. Um, I don't have nearly the size of following that you do. And you're a man. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. It's, I, I think that with, with dads, um, People expect that the dads are either not there um, or like they're, I think they're just so excited that they see a dad who's engaging that maybe I just get a pass on it. I don't know what it is. Jamie could say anything. My husband could say like, we'll do lives and he'll say things that like, I can't even think of like a funny joke, like totally inappropriate. And I'm like kicking him under the table. I'm like, you can't say that. And everyone's like, oh, Jamie, that's so sweet. (laughs) What? But I just don't understand what, how other other moms will look across uh, someone facing something totally different and then just go crazy with the knives. I don't understand it. Yeah, and I have, um, I'll tell you this, I have never, and I'm proud of this. So I've been on Facebook for three years. I have never publicly went after a blogger, a mom. I've never, yeah. never once stooped to that level. I'm so, right. and I think that's probably why my page is the size it is because I don't stoop to that. I don't, yeah, and sure. I haven't argued. Um, when I was that viral video, I argued. You know, I, I was like, but I'm a good mom. Like, why do you hate me? Like, I mean, I argued. I did the whole high functioning versus low function. I did all of it. I haven't argued in two years and it saved my mental health. Like, if you hate me, well, I'm, you want to tell me the sky is green? Sure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that it's it's just interesting to me because in addition to processing the the grief and all of the emotions with Cooper, you sort of had to do that uh, from a different angle in processing how am I going to deal with being uh, you know hated by some of these people or under a microscope and so criticized like how are you going to do that and I just find that really interesting that that you've chosen to to just sort of like okay I did it I went to the dark place and now whatever have at it yeah oh yeah take your best shot like <laughs> well and there are but there are things that sting. And I'll tell you some of them. I had um, one woman say about me. I, I remember certain comments or, or emails. I mean, I, letters. <laughs> um, they'll say things like, um, one woman said, um, I bet she's the kind of woman that pushes someone down in a wheelchair. Like, that just really bugged me. That's um, really you. That's what I thought the first time I saw. I'm like, yep, there's the wheel pair, wheelchair pusher right there. I know. Someone said, um, I'm sure she loves Cooper. She just must not like him. Oh, come on. That one got me. Um, And then you're a joke to the autism community. You're an embarrassment. And I'm like, and where I get so frustrated is um, I used to do a lot of advocacy, a lot. Like I was at the Capitol all the time. I was fighting for, you know, um, equal housing, safe transportation. That was what I thought my mission was going to be is I was going to, you know, really make a difference at that. Uh, you know, state and federal level. And I got so beat up. It was kind of, it was right, right around the time of my viral video. And I couldn't figure out why I was fighting for people. And I'd look around and there was no one else standing next to me. You know, I was, I was fighting for Medicaid. I was right. put, putting myself out there and there was no one else there, but they were all on the computer. And I thought, why am I doing this? Like, why am I fighting to help people that would probably push me down. <laughs> so I took a, a long break. I took a long break and now I, I choose what I advocate for. I, 
I've really changed my focus and it, it, it helped me a lot to, yeah. to hone it in. That's good. I think you have thicker skin than I do. I'm just not used to it. I, I was so, so with my viral video, the, the beach one, um, I, I had, and it's got, well, I don't know. It's, it's nowhere near yours, but it was like 3.4 million or something like that. That's huge. Um, but I, I had, I think one negative comment. Oh, good grief. One <laughs> negative. That's what I'm saying. I'm like spoiled in this. I, I think probably if you had posted the same thing, it would have, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, you should watch it afterwards and see what, what would have happened if I had posted this. Um, but I, I, yeah, anyway, I, to me, that's just a strange phenomenon. And it is sad that the, the loud detractor, the detractors are the loudest. The craziest people sometimes are the loudest. They are, they are. So can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. I was, um, I was fighting one time online. Like I was like, so I'm giving my kids a bath you know, water everywhere, tubby toys everywhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding my phone and I'm fighting with this woman. Like I have just, she's, I'm the worst mom and I'm laying into her and she's laying into me. And I, and I was like, on here. And I like looked at her profile. She was like 16. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That was the last time I've argued with anybody. It was years ago. I was like, you need to go talk to your mom. I need to <laughs> take care of my children. Like, this is not okay. Cause you, you, I'm fighting with the people you're fighting with online. They're not going to come up to you on the street. I mean, they're, it's just so funny. I really believe that like saying that like sometimes silence is the best response. Like I'm not going to throw fuel on the fire anymore. I mean, yeah. and, and I'll tell you, there's like sites devoted to hating me. I mean, there's just terrible things and I, I don't look, I don't, I just, it is what it is. I, I can't change anyone's mind. Like if you hate me for that one video on my car, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you shouldn't, and people shouldn't have to apologize for feeling pain or for feeling confusion. And this is, uh, this was really the theme. You know, a big theme of my book was like, you've, you've got to go through and deal with everything that's, you know, everything that's down there. You know, people, we, we, I think we tend to think when we're going through a hard time that if we just numb that hard time, then we can have joy. And, but you can't numb only one side of your heart. I think this is probably, this is, I read your book, your wonderful book. I, every morning, this is gonna sound so cheesy. Every morning I choose joy. I tell myself that I can look at a situation in two ways. So I, I mean, there's, I have a, I have a million examples. I mean, Cooper's were outside going for a family walk and, you know, Cooper's frustrated and hitting himself in the head and I have to be right there and I'm talking him through with like a hostage negotiation just to get him to walk and I'm kissing him and I'm hugging him and I'm tickling him. And, and it's like, there may be 30 seconds of good and I'm going to hold on to those 30 seconds. Because I can look at every, when you have a child with a significant disability or someone in your life, anyone, you can look at it in any way. And for a long time, I didn't choose joy. I didn't. I, I was too sad. Yeah. And now I do. And my life is completely different. You had, you had that change too, didn't you? Oh, yeah. It took, it took me a really long time. Uh, I, it was something I didn't even recognize. I was walking through the whole stages of grief. That's all it was. And, and even that, it's funny, even that 
is controversial in this community to use the word grief, but it's like, well, what else are you going to call it? You're, you're dealing with something. We all have these expectations as parents and like, like what you were finally, you know, fully facing in your first video, um, where, you know, it's like you, you this is the way life is going to look and it's going to be great. And then suddenly it crumbles. What else, what other kind of response can you have other than a response of grief? It's going to be different than, than I had hoped. And, and maybe we can recover from that. And, and you have recovered from that. Thanks be to God. And so have I. But that's not something you can talk someone out of. And what makes me so mad is what you just said is it's not just that life was different. So there's, there's, there, there's so many different parts of it. So it's like I expected to have a child and I've been told I, by many people, you should have been prepared for this. You, this, this can happen when you're pregnant. Oh, no one thinks. So you know, not only did my son not talk and, you know, he's not going to live on his own, all those pieces, right. That were different. It's also really hard. So there's that part, meaning like the days are really hard sometimes he's struggling and our family's struggling. And then you have the emotions that go into it. And then you have the impact uh, of the outside world. So it's like, People, they, they think that we're just, sometimes I think that, that they think that we're just, I don't know what they think, that we're just bad parents, but it's like, there's so many layers that go into this, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, I was um, I was just thinking about, you know, Jack, the, some, of the, some of the places we find, we end up finding joy um, are through the, our other kids, too. I that's been one of the unexpected amazing things that's happened um, in our family is that Jack's sisters and brothers have become these wonderfully caring people and they end up um, you know with this new level of sensitivity and empathy and they're his champions you know they're his champions and uh, to see the way that they've responded uh, gives me a new level of hope for the future and I think about what, how you were describing Sawyer with Cooper, of uh, preparing him for that day. Um, it, it's just there's things that we never expect that, that somehow get in there in the midst of the hard stuff. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like, okay, the hard, 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 I need the hard to stop so that I can receive the good. Because they end up being mixed. They end up, like you said, being on the same day. So you can have something really tough, but then have this beautiful moment with Sawyer loving his brother that ends up, it just gives the world a whole new outlook. Mm-hmm. Sawyer's life is, um, and there's a lot of a lot of mixed emotions in the community about this. S- you know, Sawyer's life has been hard. Yeah. It has. It's different. It's it's his life is different. He grew up. I don't talk about it a lot because I get a lot of guilt around it. But you know, there were not even just the aggressions towards him, but you know, he had to have one parent. We had to split up all the time. You know, Jamie would take Sawyer. I would stay with Cooper. We'd have to leave early. We'd have to miss things. There's all these different elements that we're working through. We're going to figure it out. We're going to give him his best life. It's, it's going to be great. But so for a long time, I felt bad. I felt bad that his brother has never, ever really acknowledged him. They've never played. Sawyer wants love so bad and he's never gotten it. And I can say that that's sad. And in the same breath, I can say Sawyer is going to be the most amazing advocate. He will change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's like, 
he has, he asks me questions. He, he thinks about things. He befriends the kids at school that need friends. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's because of Cooper. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I, I feel like Sawyer is blessed because he's learned things at age seven that most adults don't know. Absolutely. I got, I got to tell you this one. We have, uh, so um, Jack's uh, little brother, Sam, is 11. And two years ago, Jack had had brain surgery um, on, anyway, I won't go into that. But um, he had all of these effects afterward for the next like six months. Um, and he would have like just terrible, terrible screaming meltdowns every night at bedtime for hours. And so, um, so he was, yeah, he was 12 at the time. So the thing is he shares a room with uh, his brothers, Nathan and Sam, and we had to go in. They are so used to all of the stuff that's part of our world. They usually sleep right through it. It's just like, yeah, oh, this is what life is like, you know? Sawyer's the best sleeper. He's, I mean, Cooper was up, <laughs> Cooper was up at 3 a.m., like running around naked, like listening to Thomas, and Sawyer's like, <laughs> Every time, yeah. But this was another level, and they couldn't go to sleep, so he's keeping them up for hours and just screaming and just, we, we couldn't console him. He couldn't tell us. So finally I had to tell my sons, I said, we, we have to bring you out. You can sleep in your sister's room on the floor. Come on. And I pull them out and, and Sam, who, who is kind of like the big brother, um, he says, but what if Jack needs me? Because he needs him to like give him his script, um, you know, and, and uh, what if Jack needs me? I said, Sam, I'm so sorry, but you're just, you are not getting sleep and, and, and you know, it's, it's okay. It's going to be all right. So we take him in there. He's so, Sam is the most compliant, obedient kid, right? He is just so right there. So I take him in the other room. This is a long story, so it might not go on the podcast, but I think you'd appreciate it. Um, I take him in and, uh, and I, I, I he lay him down and he's so upset with me. He's like, dad, Jack needs me to tell him the, the order of his movies. Cause that was this particular, particular script that he needed. And he needs me there. And I'm like, Sam, you just need to go to sleep, son. Okay, just go ahead. So I, uh, we put him there. We close the door. We come out. I sit on the couch. And two seconds later, the door opens. And here he is carrying his pillow and his blanket. And he's marching across, under, right in front of the TV, staring at him, like glaring, angry glare. And he's walking like this. And his chin is like... And he walks all the way in front, just defying me in this moment. Like, I will be there for my brother. I will. And I don't, like, he didn't, I was sitting there and I'm like, I have never been more proud of you in my life. That is the most amazing story ever, ever. <laughs> so, of course, so I let him that night and I, I talked to him the next morning. I, of course, just trying to like balance out some of that. You do need to listen. You do need to sleep and obey, but I'm so proud of you. I love how you love your brother. And uh, that does give me hope for the future is to see the way special needs siblings respond. They're the best people. Like, yeah. and I've done posts about that before. And I'll have people say to me, they're nothing, you know, how do they word it? Like, they'll just say things like, why are you rewarding them for doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing? Oh, or, come on. I just sometimes say, I wish that people could see our lives. Yes. And you see how much, how much they end up sacrificing. It's, and, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing and, and we should commend them. There's nothing pedestrian about that kind of affection, you know, like commend them, please. Anyway, well, we've covered a lot of different ground, but I appreciate you going to, to some of those places. If you have, um, if you have one thing you could say 
to a person, maybe not in the special needs world, but who, someone who needs um, to find joy in the middle of their pain. Um, what would you What would you say to them? Hang on. Um, you know, some days I swear I just went through the motion. Some days I just got up and I just kept going. Um, I never, I never stopped fighting for our family's normal. I'm still fighting for it. I'm fighting really hard. I need, I need, I need for us to be able to stand still. And we did not stand still for so many years. We were in crisis for, for five years Mm -hmm. and I needed to find a normal and we do now. Mm-hmm. But it's funny when I tell people, you know, we had to move, we had to go to a new neighborhood for Sawyer full of kids, we had to switch jobs, we had to, we had to find the right settings for Cooper. Um, but we never gave up trying to find the life that we wanted. Right. Right. I mean, and, and we're still not there. Uh, you know, we, Cooper can go well before the coronavirus, Cooper could go to maybe three places, Target, the grocery store and a park. I'm sure we've lost all that now, but what I would do is I would set goals. I do this all the time. At at any given time, I have goals and I need Cooper to be able to go to his brother's hockey games and baseball games. I need us to be able to go to restaurants and I need us to be able to go on airplanes. And if that takes us 10 years, I'm going to keep trying for 10 years because we can't live our whole life in this house forever. So I don't know. I think, you know, my, my message would be just, just keep going, just keep moving forward. Even if you're crawling, you know, feel everything. And I, I, I do think I, so sometimes I feel so silly when I say this, because like, I think about like my dad, my dad's wife recently died of pancreatic cancer. And it's like, if I was talking to him, would I say something so cheesy, but it's like, you know, dad, just keep going every day. You just got to keep going. (laughs) Indeed, you keep going. And that's what I love about Kate Swenson. She keeps going because she's figured it out. If you want to reach acceptance, if you want to be the kind of parent who knows how to rejoice about your child and about your circumstances, the only way to get there is to deal with the grief and the sadness and all of the very real things that you're feeling. And that's true of all of our circumstances. You have to feel it in order to deal with it. You have to go on that difficult journey, and that's when we start to find joy. Thanks so much to Kate Swenson, my friend, for being my very first guest on the Aching Joy podcast. It's been a real honor, and thank you all for listening. If you guys have enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor. Do me a favor. First, tell your friends that there's a really cool podcast going on, that it's called the Aching Joy podcast, and you're going to want to listen to it because it's super encouraging. Uh, secondly, jump on over to iTunes and leave, leave me a review. That'd be, that'd be awesome too, especially if it's a good one. Um, if you didn't like it, you, you don't have to tell anybody that you didn't like it. You, you could just go on to your next one. Um, next episode, we're going to have my friend, Trisha Lott Williford on. Trisha is a New York times bestselling author and her writing just makes me weep. Um, it's beautiful. She has an incredible story of gut-wrenching pain and in, uh, amazing redemption. So be sure to check us out on episode two. Thanks again, Kate Swenson. Thanks again, all of you who listened. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.